Hey, you're on air with Ella, and today it's Q&A with me, Ella. Let's go. Welcome. You're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and tips from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or relationships to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts and we're learning more every day. Live better. Start now. Let's go. Hey, well, we haven't done this in a while, but today it's just you and me, and I am answering questions that I got from you guys in social media or via email, whatevs. This season, season six, is 96.7% interviews with experts who are better at something than we are. But every once in a while, when your questions pile up, I'm going to throw one of these episodes in here, and today is the day. So I'm going to be answering questions about something called the pro-metabolic diet. I'm going to be talking about collagen. Then we're going to talk about being a working mom. We're going to talk about friendship. We're going to talk about what other questions did you have? Questions, a career question. There's a lot in here. So without further ado, let's get going. Okay. I have to laugh. There's something about turning on your microphone that makes your neighbors blow their leaves immediately. So someone's doing yard work next door. I'm really sorry if you can hear it. All right, let's settle in with my third cup of coffee and you. Question number one, have you heard about the pro-metabolic diet? And if so, what are your thoughts? No, I had not heard about the pro-metabolic diet. And now I'm going to tell you what I learned about it because I jumped in with both feet and went to read about it. To put it simply, a pro-metabolic diet is essentially eating in a way that supports the metabolism, pro-metabolic. In a nutshell, it's eating, quote, traditional foods that nourish and support your cellular metabolism and avoiding foods that damage or harm your cellular metabolism. What do I think about the pro-metabolic diet? Um, I think it's marketing. I think it's a new buzzword. Uh, I think it is marketing, quote, a lifestyle, not a diet. So people can sell books and sell clicks. And generally, do I dispute the principle that it's great to eat more foods that your body recognizes and fewer foods that your body doesn't recognize? Yes, I cannot argue with that. That is very strong logic. But the basis of this, quote, diet or lifestyle, however you want to look at it, is really just about eating more, quote, real foods. That's never a bad idea. (laughs) It's just how you frame up your relationship with food is everything, in my opinion. So I'm just going to keep it super, super, super real and just tell you how after many, many years on this journey, which you've heard if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, how I think of this now. I think that's the most useful thing that I can do is just share with you where I am in this journey. Okay. So I stopped cooking about three to four years ago. I just, I never did enjoy it, but then I found out after being married for many years that my husband actually can cook really well and he enjoyed it. I don't know what took us so long to arrive to this epiphany, but there we are. So he was cooking and that was fantastic. But then he started traveling more and more and more and more. So he He was cooking and now he isn't. And I am no longer in a place, again, if you're an OG listener, you know that I went through phases where I could not eat one tablespoon of almond butter. I would eat half of a jar or three protein bars a day or, you know, just like weird eating habits. And I am no longer in that place. But I have 
have been known when on my own to eat chips and salsa and an apple and hummus and call it dinner, right? Or a bag of dried mango and a protein cookie for lunch. (laughs) And I have a raw food protein bar for breakfast almost every day of my life. So these habits, they're fine in moderation, but if that becomes my norm, if it's just me at home and I'm eating like a college boy... (laughs) eventually my body will start telling me and showing me that I'm lacking in nutrients. So when this happens now, if I realize I'm in a pattern and I haven't really been focusing on my nutrient density, I don't freak out and I don't go vegan keto or start counting my macros. I start looking, I sort of reset, I get conscious about it, right? I get very intentional about it. And I look at what I can add to my diet. This is what's working for me. I look for what I can add to my daily intake rather than focusing on what not to eat. Okay. So that is what has been consistently working well for me. But in the context of being super clear with you that this goes in seasons for me, sometimes I eat really, really well and I'm eating largely real food. And sometimes I go through phases where I'm eating whatever Trader Joe's gives me. And whatever is super easy to get out of the fridge and eat in 10 minutes. So it's all a season, but now I ride the wave instead of freaking out and trying to hack my way back to quote normal. Okay. So anyway, this happened recently and I've talked about this on the air where I've shared, you know, this is why I started with Daily Harvest, a food service that gives you nothing but whole foods and and ships it to your door and it's all convenience food, but it's all whole food. So that's been great. But the reason I did that was because I was, I did not have steady energy and my digestion was not awesome. And my body was giving me indications that I was lacking in nutrient. So no, I didn't start growing my own garden and drinking wheatgrass and, you know, mushroom coffee, but I did add a smoothie and or a meal to my day. So now I know I'm consuming whole foods, no weird ingredients, no bad oils, et cetera. And I, like I said, I try to eat one or two a day, a smoothie and a meal. Okay, great. Then I started my vitamins back up and I will link to this stuff. I'm not going to go into detail about it, but I will link to what I am focused on right now. But I started my vitamins back up and I even tried Organifi. Maybe you've heard of that, where I make one red juice and one green juice a day out of Organifi products. This is not a commercial for them. I will always tell you if I'm getting paid to tell you something. I'm just giving it to you straight because I can't stand when people share what's working for them and then they don't tell you what it is. So I will give you links for all of that stuff, but not here to go into detail about it. This is not a miracle cure, okay? Adding these smoothies or these whole food meals or these vitamins is not a miracle cure forever. But right now... I feel more imbalanced. My hair grows really fast. My nails are strong and healthy. I sleep well and my digestion is on point until it's not, okay? (laughs) I still might have homemade nachos for dinner, but on the whole, I'm going for more of what I need and less of what I don't and being intentional and awake. And so much of my history with food and obsessing about it was ironically not being intentional about how I want to feel. It was more about hacking my body and then breaking it and then spiraling when I didn't get the outcome that I wanted. So now I am definitely taking shortcuts by taking vitamins and these packaged whole foods, definitely. And presumably I'll go through a season soon where one of us will start cooking again. (laughs) But for now, I'm trying to just make sure that I add 
nutrient density to my day. Now, okay, great. So what? Well, this is what I would leave with you. There are markers of good health that are fairly universal, and I want to make sure that we're all paying attention to them. So I'm going to share some of them with you, and I'll put them in the blog post if you want to reference this. But basically, you have strong hair and nails. You have steady energy throughout the day. You have a strong libido. You fall asleep, and you stay asleep. You have good digestion. Your digestion is doing what you want it to do. You have one to three good bowel movements every day. Um, Regular periods that aren't terribly brutal. So you're relatively free from severe PMS symptoms. You have a generally positive disposition. I know that sounds funny, but we have talked in the past and we will talk again in the near future about how much your gut health is tied to mood. And that is science, not mental. And we'll talk more about that. But when you have a hard time achieving a generally positive disposition, that can oftentimes be a sign of ill health. Okay. You are able to maintain your weight fairly easily and not have extreme ups and downs. You have a strong immune system. You don't get sick every time you're around a small child, (laughs) for example. Your heart rate is generally between 75 and 90 beats per minute. So if you were a a fitness tracker of any sort, that's how you would attain that information. And your basal body temperature is somewhere between... 97.8 and 98.6. Or if you would like that in Celsius, it's 36.6 to 37 degrees. Now, as you can tell, I am reading these to you. These are not top of mind for me. My point to you is that if two or more of the things I just shared with you do not seem to be checking out for you, that is a sign. Sometimes it's just one, obviously. But I'm saying if, if anything that I ticked off on that list sounds too good to be true for you, or you've given up feeling good in that arena, time to check in. Okay, so I know you asked me about the pro-metabolic diet, so to speak, but really and truly, it's just about eating foods that you generally recognize with a without a bunch of chemical ingredients or polyunsaturated fatty acids, okay? So polyunsaturated fatty acids, they are in lots of foods, even in healthy foods. So Trader Joe's, you know I love me some Trader Joe's, but A lot of times their foods have sunflower oil in them or corn oil or canola oil or rapeseed oil. Canola oil is rapeseed oil. Safflower oil, soybean oil, that type of thing. Those oils are so, 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 so common in off-the-shelf foods, no matter where you get them. Um, Even Whole Foods, a bunch of their options have canola oil because, frankly, it's really, really cheap. So all of this to say... that it is worth paying attention to the signs that your body is giving you. And when your body is giving you signs that it is not in outstanding metabolic health, if you want to call it that, then maybe it's time to start being intentional, aware, and a little bit more focused on adding nutrient density into your life. That's always going to be my recommendation instead of trying to follow somebody else's diet. All right, let's go to question number two. What is your secret to wake up in a good mood in the morning? 
I mean, I absolutely don't. Do you? Um, I think that's a personality trait. I don't wake up in a good mood in the morning. I wake up hungry and I wake up needing coffee, generally speaking. I do wake up without an alarm. Um, That's something I've been doing for a couple of years now. I wake up without an alarm between 6.15 and 6.30 almost every single day and kind of geared up for the day ahead. I don't know if I would call that happy. I don't think so. At night... I make more of a mental effort to clear my brain, to spend a moment being thoughtful or prayerful. But in the morning, I mean, I can't pretend that I do that. So in general, I do wake up kind of focused on the day ahead. I wake up sort of ready for that. Having too much coffee and then going on a morning walk is really the thing that I do that gets my day going. And I was journaling for so long when we did that 21 days of journaling why can't I say journaling, journaling challenge. When we did that challenge, it had such a profound impact on me and on my day. And naturally I learned nothing from that and broke the habit and haven't been doing it. (laughs) So just yesterday I pulled out my five minute journal and I'm going to put it next to the coffee machine again, baby steps, baby steps. But right now a little too much coffee and a morning walk is really what gets my day going. Um, somebody asked, how's your face bruise? (laughs) Your chin hickey. (laughs) If you've listened to recent episodes, then you know that I had a, I mean, I had a purple and black humongous bruise that took up my whole chin. And if you've ever seen a photo of me, my chin is not insubstantial. Okay. (laughs) Um, makeup did not work for me at all. Uh, thank you for asking. I will share with you because I think this is useful. Arnica gel, which is completely natural. Arnica gel worked like some kind of snake oil miracle solution. And I wish I had started it from day one because once I started using it, it sped up the healing so much. I mean, it was wild. It was honestly kind of wild. Anyway, that's available absolutely everywhere. It's completely natural and I will link to it. I'll give you an Amazon link for it, but I picked it up from Walgreens. I mean, when I tell you it's everywhere, it's everywhere. So anyway, Arnica gel worked absolute wonders for me. And now I am happy to tell you I am healed. Okay, Nat asked about collagen. Can you overdose on collagen? How much is the right amount? Good news, you can't really overdose on collagen. You can eat too much that it causes stomach disruption. But rather than deep dive into this topic, I'm going to link to an article that summarizes this pretty well. Generally speaking, I will tell you that your body naturally produces collagen. And as you get older, the rate and the quality of collagen production slow down. So a lot of people recommend a collagen supplement supplement. Um, I go back and forth on this. I'm now doing a vegan collagen supplement uh, from Mary Ruth Organics. Most of you know that I don't, I don't eat meat, but I'm not a card carrying vegetarian. It's not like a thing for me. I just don't care for meat, but I will. And, and most collagen is derived from animal sources. I do now add collagen back into those daily harvest smoothies because I feel like, you know, I'm in my late 40s. Collagen is such a good thing for remaining agile and keeping skin elasticity and just basically all the things I want and need in my life. So I have added hydro- hydrolyzed collagen back into the smoothies when I do have them. Anyway, so there's no official recommended daily dose of collagen and the right daily amount of collagen will vary based on your activity levels, your body, and what you actually eat in a day. So if you're eating meat, then you're not going to be as dependent on a collagen supplement as someone like me would be. 
So taking too much collagen may cause you to feel side effects like indigestion or intestinal discomfort, but it's not likely to harm you beyond that. It's safe. It's non-toxic. It's a daily supplement. It doesn't cause adverse effects. And if you're taking a supplement, you're going to want to take somewhere between 2.5 and 15 grams. That's a big range. When you add a supplement to your smoothies and that sort of thing, I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 grams. The bottom line is Take the serving size recommended on the product that you are taking and pay attention to how your body feels. If you have intestinal discomfort, you might be taking too much. I'm in the less is more camp and I don't think freebasing collagen is going to make me wrinkle free. So I just add it maybe three times a week to my smoothies. But why should you listen to me? Listen to your body. I will provide a link to the article for you to read more about this if this is a subject that interests you. Okay, thanks for the question, Nat. Um, somebody asks, what do you look for in a friend? Um, uh, great question. A boat. <laughs> I don't want to own a boat. So if you have a boat, let's be friends. No, in all seriousness, it goes without saying. I mean, it really goes without saying loyalty, loyalty, honesty, trust. Those are all totally intertwined and absolutely required. I feel like that's something you have to watch out for more when you're younger, maybe. But I mean, you're obviously not getting past go at this point without it. I can't imagine putting up with the hijinks that went on when we were younger, you know, and people would talk about others when they weren't in the room, or maybe even trade on their gossip. Um, That is not it for me. But I feel really it feels funny to even say that because I feel really far away from that at this point. So those are table stakes, loyalty, honesty, trust, absolutely, you know, minimum requirements. And of course, um, for me as well, (laughs) very reciprocal in nature. All right. So the thing I think that I take less for granted is, I don't know how to explain this, but it's like a, you have to be willing and able to lift each other up. And that is rarer, I think, than honesty, loyalty, and trust in a good friend. I think you can, you can have a good relationship with somebody, but they still might not check this box for you, or you might not check it for them. Basically, in short, it's, I want you to be happy for me and let me be happy for you. But if we want to expand upon that just a little bit, it's, you know, there are always going to be some people in your life that for whatever reason may be threatened by your wins or your happiness or your success, be it big or small. And maybe they actively do something to chip away at you. That's a hard no for me. Or maybe it's almost unconscious and less obvious. And it's something that they do or don't do without even realizing it. But somehow their light dims if yours brightens. I just think that that can be very sneaky and it's so detrimental to everybody. I mean, you know, I believe a rising tide lifts all boats and that's how I approach my relationships with people. Like I want you to shine. I want you to live your absolute best life. And I'm not only not selfish about that, if that's the way to say it, but I want that for you because I genuinely believe that that is good for the universe and good for me too. So does that sound super woo woo? Basically, I want you to know that I genuinely want the best for you and I really want to feel that from you. So that's probably one of my most important qualities in a good, good friend. And okay, I'm going to be cheesy for just a second. That is this community. That's why I view you as my friend because this community is that for each other. Like that is our vibe. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I want to be that for you. So I want to bring that to you in any way that I can through this show um, by spending time together and having you spend time with me and sharing me with people in your life, then you serve that for me. I am constantly fascinated by how this community feels so positive, but also so reciprocal. And we lift each other up. So yeah, love you. Okay. All right. Amanda says, does being a working mom get easier? I have a one-year-old and I just got a promotion and I am so tired. Oh, wow. 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 wow, wow. Um, no, <laughs> no. I think we get more used to the feeling of being tired. I think we get more accustomed to being emotionally exhausted. And I think we generally get more familiar with feeling guilty all the time. But no, I don't think it gets easier. Does that sound really dark? I'm just being honest. Um, my son is in college and somehow I still manage to feel guilty about things when I have to really focus on work for periods of time. Let's be positive about this as well, though. I'm always going to be honest with you and I'm going to keep it real, but I also believe that there's a lot of strength to be found in this and a lot of intentional living to be found in this. So let me see if I can, let me see if I can do this justice. Some of the positive things about being in the situation that Amanda's in, or honestly, whatever age your children are, is that if you are staying conscious to the kind of life you want to be living, then it is easier to say no to everything that does not absolutely light you up, okay, and throw away any notions of perfectionism in literally any area of your life. Whether it's at work, whether it's socially, whether it's how you look in your jeans, like throwing away notions of perfectionism is a lot easier when you are focused on what really and truly matters in your life. So I did a show ages ago with the actress Jenna Elfman, and she had this wonderful analogy of of how she thinks of her life as a symphony. And sometimes the tubas are really loud, right? And the wind section, wait, is a tuba a wind instrument? (laughs) Can we just start over? One section of the symphony is louder than another. And then later, you know, perhaps the clarinet is having its moment. Anyway, I've got to throw out the symphony analogy because I cannot make it work. Apologies to everybody who knows anything about instruments. Let me use my own example. I have a model called the Life Wheel, and I have done several shows with this in mind. By the way, I did not invent the life wheel and I don't know who did. Lots of people use it, but it is a circle. It is a pie, if you will. And each slice of the pie is some priority in your life from finances to career, to your spiritual life, to your mental health, to your physical health, to your intimate relationships. You get the idea, right? And if you score where you are on your life wheel and you score it honestly, it will never be a perfect circle because sometimes you're up in one area and you're down in another and that is life. But in scoring yourself or being conscious about where you are, it lets you set a mindful intention about what you need to adjust, which dials you want to adjust, and where you want this to be three months from now or six months from now. You might score yourself on the life wheel and you might say, well, I'm really high in family right now. That's getting a huge amount of my priority time. And that's actually means I'm at a little bit of a lull in my career. When we look at these things vaguely, it's easy to want to 
self-flagellate about that, right? So let me give you an example I think a lot of you can relate to. Maybe your career is high and your family is a priority, and then your your physical fitness is a three out of 10. Okay. Should you self-flagellate about that? Or should you say, right now I'm in a season where my priorities are this. And now that I see this on paper, so to speak, I know that I want to adjust some of the dials so that when I do this next month or three months from now, my wheel looks a little bit more balanced in that area. At the end of the day, for Amanda or for anyone who feels like life is very exhausting right now, the best thing I can encourage you to do is to not stop, never stop paying attention to how you feel. Keep checking in, preferably in writing, whether it's in a journal or whether it's doing a little silly thing like a life wheel exercise. Don't stop paying attention to how you feel. Your body, your soul will give you answers about what to do next as long as you don't tune out. The second thing is ask for help of any kind, anytime you need it. That is a lesson it takes many of us far too long to learn. Ask for help of any kind, any time you need it. Whether it is asking for help for something at work, asking for help saying no to something at work. Okay, I really want you to hear that. Sometimes you have to ask for help in how to say no to something at work, all right? Whether it's asking for help saying no to something at work, asking for assistance, asking for help with housework or food shopping or the division of labor with your partner at home, whether you're asking for help from your friends, other moms, whatever it is. So let's review. Ditch perfectionism and shame self-flagellation that accompanies doing the best you can in parenting. When you are a parent, generally speaking, you are doing the best you can. We needn't focus on what we would be doing in an ideal state. (laughs) And we needn't focus on shame and self-flagellation when we're not an A++++. So we are going to ditch perfectionism and shame that accompanies doing the very best that we can in parenting. Secondly, we're going to ask for help of every kind, everywhere, every time we need it. We're going to start working that muscle. Finally, we are going to stay in touch with ourselves. We're going to check in. We're going to text Ella. (laughs) We're going to journal. Basically, we're going to ask ourselves how we're doing and what we need more or less of. When we do that, then we're going to cycle back through one and two, and we're going to repeat and repeat and repeat in this thing called life. Okay, Amanda, we're thinking of you. Okay, here's a quickie. How is your son doing in college? Several of you asked this. This is so sweet of you to ask. Um, somebody else said, have you adjusted to your kid being away in college? So my son is just finishing his sophomore year in college. Cannot wrap my brain around that. Struggling. He is doing well. He is living his best life right now. I wonder, rather than go into detail about this right now, I wonder if I should have him on. He'll be home in a few weeks. I wonder if I should have him on and we can talk parent and child about adjusting to your kid being away in college. Somebody else asked how to safely launch your kid to college and how that went. I need to know if that's of interest. I'm not exactly a mommy blogger, as you may have deduced by this point. So will you just let me know if that is of interest to you and we can we can dive into that. I can have him on the air again. It's been years since I've had him on the air. Let me know if that's of interest. 
All right. Alyssa said, I have been in the same job for 11 years and I really enjoy it. I received several promotions and raises, but my potential for future growth is limited. I'm comfortable in my job and it offers much needed flexibility as I juggle a career and caring for my toddler. However, I'm starting to wonder if I'm limiting my potential professional growth and future earnings by sticking around. When do you know it's time to leave the position? How would you approach the situation? Wow. Okay. So this actually goes back to some of the things that we talked about with Amanda's question. Basically, this is where we need to force ourselves to be intentional. Some of you don't need to force yourself. I have to force myself to be intentional. I have to force myself to journal. (laughs) Okay. I am not naturally disciplined in that way, but being aware, being curious and actually being intentional it will change your life in degrees. In this case, I would not make this a mental exercise. I would grab that paper. I would grab that pen. I would list out what I want professionally and personally would separate those list what I want. Then I would list what I enjoy professionally and personally. And then if it's of use, I would list specifically what I don't want or what I don't enjoy professionally and personally. Now, I actually did this. I actually did this because I was trying to make a decision. I listed what I wanted professionally and personally, and I listed what I enjoyed professionally and personally. The best way to do this is to use index cards because then you can order them. You can easily prioritize them. You can literally rank what you want and what you enjoy. Then in black and white in front of you, answers magically appear. Okay. So let's say professionally, I'm going to make this up. Let's say professionally, you want to make above $200,000 a year. You want benefits. You need benefits because you are the benefits provider in your family. Let's say you want a growth path in your job. Like you're not okay knowing that this is the last mile post for you. You want to know there's a path forward. Let's say you want flexibility. Okay. And let's say you want to travel less than two times a month. All right. So your professional wants are, I want to make above $200,000 a year. I want a benefits package. I want to know there's a growth path for me. I want flexibility and I want to travel fewer than two times a month. Great. Personally, what do you want? Let's say personally, you want to have time to exercise. You want no calls or emails after 8 PM. You want your weekends to be weekends. You want to be able to travel three times a year for fun. And let's say in your case, you want two solid hours of being a mom per day, like two solid focused hours of being able to be a mom per day. So you write all of that down. There's so much power in writing things down. All right. Then it's of use. You can write down what you don't want and what you don't enjoy. You've written it down. Now you can wait it again. When you do these on post-it notes or index cards or something, it actually lets you arrange them in order and it reveals the answer to you. In Alyssa's case, what I'm hearing, and I might be getting this wrong because you all heard the same thing I heard, so it's not that much information. But what I heard is Alyssa's having her needs met professionally. Flexibility sounds like it's really important to her. And she is worried about the opportunity cost that this good job with flexibility might be costing her. In other words... It's possible that we compare what we could be missing out on, right? We have what we need, but we compare it to an optimal ideal state that doesn't necessarily exist. So in Alyssa's case, if I did this exercise, again, based on limited information, I would stay. Again, it's so tempting to compare the where you are to the ideal other. And I think it's absolutely critical to compare where you are to the detail of a realistic other. I'm going to say that again. It is so tempting to compare where we are 
to the ideal other. And it is critical to compare where you are to the detail of a realistic other in almost any context, but in Alyssa's case, where she is comparing the possible opportunity costs of a job that is actually meeting her needs right now. And again, back to the life wheel. Maybe your career is at a six, but your family life and your mental health is at a nine or a 10. Is that a trade-off you're willing to make right now for this season? Okay, I'll be fast with the rest of these and we'll squeeze in two more. There's not a specific question here. I just had a lot of comments about the perimenopause episode and more questions and just honestly a bunch of people saying that we were glad that we talked about it. But that episode that I did recently with Dr. Meg Mill, it barely scratched the surface, okay? My main point in sharing that episode with Dr. Meg Mill with you was for you to know that if you are between your most fertile years and not yet in menopause, and again, that period can be one year or 15, so if you're in that phase called perimenopause, first of all, it's super interesting to know that that is not a diagnosis. It is literally a season. That's not a mental hack that I'm trying to give you to be more positive about it. Not at all. According to Dr. Mill, it is not a diagnosis. It is a period between two other periods. Why does that matter? Well, because feeling crazy, not sleeping, gaining a bunch of weight, feeling out of control, feeling out of your body is not the normal state. There is nothing wrong with you. You are between two mileposts in your biology. That's all perimenopause is. The main point that I wanted to make with that show is for you to know that you shouldn't feel up and down all the time. And if you do, it is an indication that this could be managed better. So what am I going to do about it? I'm going to share a couple of resources with you in the blog post for this episode. And one is a podcast called Hit Play, Not Pause. And it is a menopause for athletes podcast. I don't care if you're an athlete or not. I don't care if you identify as an athlete or not. What I care about is that if you would like more optimal health during this time, that podcast might serve you in some way. So hit play, not pause. That's a podcast. There's a book called Next Level, and I will tag that. And then there is a book called Roar. And I have not read these. I have not read these. I have not read these. But when I was doing a little bit more research here, I had so many people say that you needed the book Next level and you need the book Roar. So I will link to those. At the end of the day, I just want to facilitate, help facilitate, help Sherpa you on your journey. So even if I don't always go to 11 on some topics, I can still be a source for you, hopefully to connect you to more resources where they will in fact take it to 11. All right, last question. Are we having a retreat this year? And what are some locations you're considering for your next retreat? Okay, I got a bunch of questions about this because I've been teasing this in social media a little bit. And first of all, I love it. I love it, love it, love it. I absolutely 100% want to have an event this year. It would be in the fall. I'm nervous. I'm nervous about trying to solicit interest so soon in season six because can we be honest? Some people don't even know I'm alive. They may have dropped the show when I went on hiatus and they don't know that I'm back. That makes me nervous inside. I'm just being vulnerable with you. Um, But hell yes, 
the retreat that we held in Arizona a few years ago was one of the best things I've ever done in my life. I absolutely intend to start doing those once or twice a year. Ideally, this year in 2022, I want to do something nominal in the UK, even if it's just a day and a half, something in the UK. And then I want to do a proper weekend retreat on the East Coast in the fall. If you are even remotely interested in either of those things, I need to know. Uh, Like I said, I feel a little insecure about it. I feel like it might be a little early in the season and being back to full time at podcasting to be trying to generate interest. And there is risk involved in setting up an event. You take on the initial costs. And then once people sign up, then obviously we share the burden of the cost together. But there is risk in taking this on. So I'm just being really honest with you. If you are at all interested in this, you can do two things. You can let me know anywhere that you already communicate with me, whether it's an Instagram DM or commenting under the blog post, whatever, you know how to reach me at this point and sharing the show so that we can rebuild the traction here. So every time you share this podcast with somebody, be it an episode that you particularly like, or just sharing the show in general in social media or with your friends or with your family, every time you do that, it's a multiplier effect. So if you're interested in getting together, having a life-changing retreat, (laughs) no big deal. In 2022, I need to hear from you. Okay. Thanks. Love you. All right, I have half a dozen questions that I did not even get to. So if you like this one, I'll do another one. On the whole, the season is all about the expert interviews, though. So stay tuned. I have some really fun ones, some polarizing ones, and some galvanizing ones coming up. And I cannot wait to share them with you in the next few weeks. Okay, I hope you have a great day. Love you. Bye. Okay, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, find me on Instagram at onairwithella or get the show notes and links at onairella.com. There's no with. It's just onairella.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for sharing the show. And thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.